Howdy bowdy riffers. This is David Sanchez and this is episode 67 of the Riffs or Die podcast for March 2-2-2-0-2-2. Did that sound like a toy gun? March 2-2-2-0-2-2. Excuse me. This is a good one here. Got an awesome interview with a buddy of mine named Jarvis Leatherby who plays in a killer band called Night Demon. They've got a new release that's going to be coming out later this week, so make sure you check that out. Listen to the full interview. There's a lot of good stuff in here. He's got some great wisdom to share at the end, so make sure you stick around till the end. If you all want to support the podcast beyond listening, you can share it with your friends and family. You can also rate the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, If you're listening on YouTube, give that thing a like, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. And if you want to support the show financially, you can go to riffsordie.com and pick up some merchandise. There's a lot of cool stuff in there, including No Karate in the Pit shirts and stickers and pins and Think It's Not Illegal Yet. Not Illegal Yet. T-shirts and stickers and pins and all kinds of good stuff in there. Lots of things with skeletons on them. So if you're feeling bonerific, get to riffsordie.com and pick up some merch. And if that's not enough for you and you want to support and have access to the Zoom hangouts that we do every month, there's another one happening this weekend. And the only way you're going to get access to that is by going to patreon.com slash riffsordie. Go on Patreon and sign up at the $10 level or higher and you will have access to all the Zoom hangouts that we do every month. So come on down. Looking forward to doing that again this weekend. So I didn't put out a podcast last week. I had some family in town. My little brother from Arizona was here. Had a lot of fun watching a lot of movies with him. Man, I think my favorite movie that we watched was Black Dynamite. If you haven't seen that movie, you should definitely watch it. It was funny as fuck. (laughs) It was really good. Black Dynamite. I've been wanting to watch it for a long time, and I've been told by many, many people that I would love it. And everyone that ever said that to me was absolutely correct. I did love it. So I don't have a musical suggestion for this week outside of Night Demon. That one's obvious. But my movie suggestion is Black Dynamite. Go peep that one. (laughs) This is a long-winded way to get to the point of the story. But the moral of the story is no podcast came out last week. So what's going to happen is this week we're going to have this one. And then we're going to have another one coming out on friday i believe so you're going to get two podcasts this week and then if you want to join for the zoom hangout that's this weekend you got to go to patreon sign up for that but two podcasts coming at you this week to make up for the lack of the one last week sound all right all right well let's get into it jarvis is a guitar player bass player vocalist owner of a record label and just all around cool chill dude I think you're going to like this conversation. Ladies and gents, please welcome Mr. Jarvis Leatherby. Well, I'm stoked to have you on the podcast, and I know that you're a podcaster yourself. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, My band Night Demon does have a podcast uh, called the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. I actually don't host it myself. It's hosted and curated by a fan of the band, and it's kind of more like a, it's more of a journalistic 
kind of look into the band and it's uh put together with a lot of different people that surround the band whether that's fans you know some of our road crew people that work at labels agencies you know just uh other bands everybody that surrounds the the night demon story so every week we have a different different kind of topic that we talk about about the history of the band and stuff like that so that's really cool actually interesting idea it's a lot of work (laughs) i bet yeah I, i believe me i know so if you want to do a swap cast out of this one and make things a little bit easier, feel free. I don't care if you guys post this up on your end. That would actually be really fucking cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So feel free this whole time to fire questions my way too. Great. Great. You know, two-way conversation. I'm not here to grill you. But I do Absolutely. have questions for you. Sure. Okay. So you play in Night Demon. You also play in Sirith Ungle, and you own a record label called Iron Grip Records. Am I correct? Correct. Awesome. Well, uh, Night Demon, for people that are listening that are unfamiliar, fucking awesome band. Sounds like old school heavy metal for fans of Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Motorhead, Old Metallica, Angel Witch, that kind of vibe. Is Angel Witch a big influence? Big time. Yeah, especially that first record. Um, That's all you, you really know. need, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, I do. The The last two albums that they did were actually, are actually pretty good. They've and, got a um, lot of good records. Even that Resurrection one had some weird weirdo stuff on it, but it has some really cool songs on it. Yeah, there's some stuff, but... But yeah, I, I would definitely, you know, that first album is classic. It's untouchable, you know, and uh, um, that I think that just the sound of that record and, you know, even some of the vocal stylings and harmonies, like kind of, they had pretty big influence on me as, as well as uh, Diamond Head and Jaguar. Those were like the three new wave of British heavy metal bands that I'd say influenced me personally the most musically besides, um, you know, Iron Maiden. So, um, yeah, uh, I would, I would definitely say that. And it's, it's, uh, in the, in the past year since Night Demon has been around, we've gotten an opportunity to play quite a few times with Angel Witch and kind of became close with those guys. So it's, it's all come full circle. It's one of those, it's one of those things, you know, that's way cool. Yeah. So I've, I'm familiar with Diamond Head. I know a bunch of their songs, but I don't know Jaguar. I've never heard that band. They're fucking sick. And actually, I <laughs> it's funny I mentioned this, but I'm actually their live vocalist. So um, I started singing with them in 2018. But uh, they're yeah, they're an old school band from Bristol, England. Um, and they, they put out an album in the early 80s called Power Games that was pretty popular. And before that, um, they had an EP with a song called Backstreet Woman and another song called Axe Crazy. So, um, like, they're one of like the Lars Ulrich, like one of his favorite bands. And okay. the the uh, the vocal style, I guess, is it's very melodic and similar to Diamond Head in that way. But uh, but it's like Jaguar was one of the first bands to to play kind of faster. So I think you would actually really dig it. Um, so uh, yeah, I highly recommend checking them out. They're one of uh, they're one of the the big three for me, I guess. Besides, um, you know, your obvious uh, Maiden, Metallica, Megadeth. You know, th- those were those were my gateways into this stuff. You know. Yeah, you guys remind me a lot of uh, amalgamation of all those things. You guys play fast and heavy, and there's cool guitar harmonies and good vocal melodies and. It's awesome. I love your band, and I've seen you guys a few times, and we played together at OzFest, and uh, ever since yeah, you guys actually, first... Go ahead. 
Oh, yeah, actually, one of our very first shows we played with you guys, when you guys you guys came to Orange County, we played with you guys at the Constellation Room. I think that was like our third ever gig, and uh, that was really fucking awesome because that's when I was really, uh, you know, you know, kind of like the our like our generation, the younger generation of kind of uh, I guess next gen heavy metal was was coming out and actually starting to do things where people were starting to take it seriously you know and not just be like oh these guys are just kids we're not going to do anything for them you know yeah <laughs> uh but uh but yeah no it's been definitely it's been definitely uh a good a good like kind of last decade kind of watching each other um you know, continue to do things. And then, uh, you know, uh, two bands ended up on the same record label together. Like, I don't know if that means anything these days, but you know, when I was growing up, it was like record labels were kind of like a gang, you know, and like they, they, the bands had camaraderie and they were like like-minded bands, but you know, um, you guys are one of the, the, the bands that I do like on, on our label. <laughs> so <laughs> likewise. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, I wanted to ask you about that too. So your band is on Century Media. Night Demon is on Century Media, but you right. have your own record label. Do you have any intention of eventually releasing your own stuff, or how does that work? What what made you want to start your own record label? Yeah, I mean the 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 the, the other thing is that I manage I manage five other bands, and I have for years. So. Um, with those bands, you know, a couple of them are like old school legacy acts that have been around for fucking decades. The other ones are newer bands that are very successful. But the thing that all those bands have in common and as well as Night Demon is there's all there. We all have records that we actually own the masters and the publishing to. So, you know, a lot of our more popular records, I guess you would say, or better selling records are are still tied up in deals with bigger labels, mm -hmm. but all of us own some of our own catalogs. So the goal of the record label was not for me to go out and try and discover new talent and compete with anybody else. It's just for the simple fact of like, look, we, we own a lot of our, of, of our own music and we want to be able to put this out without having to do any more licensing deals with these bedroom labels that, you know, essentially you just get 50 or 100 LPs at the end of the day and they sell fucking 900 or 2000, you know, and it's like, well, well, I have no problem just making this ourselves. It's not like they're, it's not like these labels are doing any kind of extra promo to push the band or push that release. They're basically just selling catalog you know which is what people want and especially when the stuff's out of print you know and the more new records you put out your back catalog grows and becomes more popular especially now with the, the digital streaming platforms you can have all that stuff out there and the other thing i learned too is you know even with spotify and apple music and shit like this uh you know streaming does pay if you own the masters so we we make we make a good the label makes a good amount of money off Spotify plays and YouTube plays and stuff like that. But, you know, if you don't own your, the rights to the music, you know, that pie gets split in a lot of different ways before you see anything. And that's why those royalty rates are, are so low. I still think that they, you know, they could be better. They should be better, but it's not, if you own the music, it's not what people say it is. It's not the one millionth of a penny per play. It's, it's, it's quite a bit more than that. So that's one misconception that, that a lot of people have. 
Yeah, so every band that's on your label owns their own masters. Of certain demos or certain albums, not all the records. Okay, got it. And is that the only stuff that you put out? The stuff where they own it outright? That's pretty much the only stuff I put out. The The other stuff I do are just like, I've been fortunate enough to license some of my favorite albums of all time. Like, like we talked about um, this first Angel Witch record or Jaguars Power Games. I've licensed those titles and reissued those just because I love the music, you know? And, of course, uh, yeah. And, and I want to see a new vinyl version or a cassette version that hasn't been out or something, you know, or a deluxe CD version. And, and I do that stuff all the time. But uh, I'm starting to slow down more with that and focus more on, on you know, just <laughs> doing stuff for my bands on this label. And, you know, the other thing is, like, I have the same distribution that any of these record companies do. It's the same company. And I actually have a lot of friends there that really love metal and they like working with me. And so, you know, at a certain point, it's like, what what advantage, you know, especially if you're in a band like Night Demon, who's, you know, I guess pretty well established, you know, like we don't need a, a record company to tell people who we are anymore. You know, I mean, that's kind of the the carrot on the stick when you first sign to a label and you're a young band, you know, you're like, you, you, you kind of want to get everything that comes with it by being in the company of these other bands. Right. Um, and a lot of times, you know, in our case too, you'd expect like, okay, now we're going to get all these endorsements and the label's got all these connections and we're going to get a great booking agent. And none of that stuff happened. You know, we, we, <laughs> we, we, we had to do all that on our own, you know? And, and then yep. sometimes we, you know, for a long time, we just worked our asses off and, we did 600 shows in four years on our own, and then people started coming to us. And, you know, at that point, it's like when people start coming to you, it's like, well, dude, you know, we, we got tired of waiting for a fucking seat at the table, so we just built our own fucking table, you know? And yeah. the, we, did, we did the same thing with the record label. So, you know, as much as I love I, I do business with a ton of different labels and, and a lot of different companies, and I, I know all the players in the game, and I've got a lot of friends in the business and you know we're all trying to do the same thing but at the end of the day it's really gratifying to to be able to just build your own shit and just know that you no matter what you always have a place to go if you, you know you can you can depend on yourself at the end of the day you know that's it yeah for sure that self-reliance and independence is super important especially just on a more personal level and stuff, that's going to become more and more of a, of a thing to strive for, I think. But I really admire and respect what you're doing with all that. I would love to learn myself how to do more of this stuff because I, I really feel like, um, a lot of recording contracts and publishing contracts and a lot of this stuff, I feel like it's intentionally written to confuse artists and make them just throw their hands in the air and go, you know what? this is too much shit. I'll just like pay a lawyer to look it over and then we'll just sign up with it instead of fully grasping what is going on with all of this. And I feel like that's how a lot of artists get taken for a ride. It happens to all artists and uh, it's a business. And, you know, I've always found myself most comfortable being somewhere in the middle, you know, and that's what makes me a great band manager as well is, you know, there's plenty of bands that have managers that got into managing bands because they could never play in a band. But the best manager of any business is a guy who's out there doing it because he really under he or she really understands 
what's really at stake, what the what when emotions are are high, what what it's what the dedication that it takes for somebody to really do this stuff. So, uh, you know, I mean, even if you manage the McDonald's, you better know how to mop that fucking floor. You better know how to how to fry the that bullshit in the fryer, you know, because you you got uh, the manager needs to know how to do every job. And if you you know, when the manager wants some of your publishing, it's like, well, you better get in the practice room and write a fucking riff, you know, because <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I, I treat my bands very fair and I know how, what it's like when it's like some of these guys, you know, at the end of the day, the management takes their cut, the agency takes their cut. You have to pay for the merchandise. Gas is through the roof. You got to rent a van. You got to get hotels. And then it's like, then you got to split that, that money five ways. Like you, you can't survive, you know? So I think more people should take inventory on their lives in general, no matter what you do, you know, but if you're, if you're in the arts and you're making money, which you should make money, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a big, that's a, you know, I come from the punk rock scene and that was always looked down upon, you know, but uh, that always came from people that weren't making any money. You know, your time and effort is worth something and you should be able to make a living off it. There's nothing wrong with that. But the way to do that is to educate yourself on the ins and outs of how things work and lawyers and contracts and big corporations, you know, you and I are both signed to a major label now. I mean, these things are, they know the game. They're designed for them to win. And the guys that want to sign bands like us, they're just guys like us that love music. You know, they're not dealing with that end of it. So I don't blame them, but we have to protect ourselves and educate ourselves and just, you know, just take your time with things. If somebody wants your music, it's because there's somebody else that does too. Yeah, absolutely. And just to clarify for people listening, when Jarvis said that both of our bands are on a major label now, it's because Century Media, our label, was bought by Sony. And Sony is one of the like four or five major labels that owns practically everything at this point. <laughs> three. Three. Yeah. Three. There's only three. Oh, now. They've all, there's only three. Yeah, they've all combined yeah. and, and now they're holding hands even tighter than before. <laughs> yeah, there's only three and they all own shares in Spotify. They own the majority of the shares. So for people that know that. Yeah, that's how Spotify gets away with paying so little is because right. they're like, we will pay the artist dick and then we'll make you labels okay with it by giving you shares in the company. The labels don't give a shit that much about the artists. So, you know. <laughs> I, do, but I do believe Sony, our label, has no longer any vested interest in the company. I do believe they sold their shares. But Universal and Warner still own a big, big, big chunk of that. So, And, uh, you know, and Neil Young's shit, too. They own that. So he can go, he can go fuck off and... You know, I mean, that's a whole another topic. I, I don't know if we should get into, but I just, I'll put it to you this way. I'm, I'm done listening to rich old white men. <laughs> well, it's rich old white men that are way set up. They're good to go. And they preached against the stuff that now they're raging on the behalf of. Yeah, yeah. Keep rocking in the free world, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Talking. And that whole song was about talking shit about how fucked up corruption in, in this world is and then uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> it's funny it's, it, it's funny boggles the, my fucking mind man. yeah the neil young thing is just like hilarious if you have two brain cells to rub together yeah well unfortunately yeah the most people that i see in the world i just had to turn off to the whole subject because it seems like the people don't have two brain cells to rub together how many people are rallying behind this it's just like it's 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 such a bad 
bad, bad precedents to set for for free speech in general. And it's it's really sad. I don't think people understand what they're what what they're doing and the damage that it can really cause them if they really get behind what they're saying. I don't think they they I'm hoping that they just don't understand what they're really saying. Well, I think that's fairly clear. And the thing that really sticks with me always when people are calling for censorship, they're not realizing that once it comes to them, they're not going to be okay with it. The same censorship that people call for today is going to be flipped around and sicked on themselves later. And then they're going to be like, hey, how did this happen? Because you wanted it to happen, idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's kind of like, you know, for, for somebody to be so vocal and go out of their out of their way to cancel anybody, they have to understand that what they're doing is putting themselves in a position where they're not going to be able to do that again because they're going to be the ones that are going to be silenced. And it could just, it could be for any reason, you know? I think people should be able to uh, to disagree with each other. That's okay, you know? Like, it's okay to have different different opinions about stuff. We I hope we have a difference of opinions forever, you know? And me personally, look, I, I'm, I don't advocate for any kind of a... Uh, lying, but if you're gonna if you're gonna hold anybody accountable, you know, start with the big corporations and start with the the media and the governments because they're the ones that are doing it the most, and there's no recourse on them. And I just think that you know, if I even look, if there's, I do a lot of interviews, man, and there's like a lot of, especially in Germany. In Germany, it's like. Without Germany, I don't think my band would have a career. So I'm, I'm grateful for those guys. But uh, a lot of press I've been doing over there lately is just, you know, it's like this anti-fascist stuff and anti-Nazi stuff. And it's like, okay, but listen, like, I would rather know who these people are because, like, if, if, you, if you try and silence them, they don't just go away and go into hiding. You go, okay, you're right. You know, they, they go somewhere and they stew and ca- then, then they come back with, with, with something that, that we don't want. So it's like, yep. it's, okay, it's okay to voice your opinions and dislikes for stuff, but the, you, have to have, you have to treat people like human beings and you have to, you have to give people a chance to, 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 to change. If, if you want to see some change in somebody, you, the best thing to do is just have a conversation with them and just see where they're coming from first. Give them the floor and give them the same respect that you want them to give you. You know, no matter how hateful you think they might be, you might realize at the end of the day that we're not all so different from each other, you know, and, and we can, we can figure out why, why people feel the way they do. And, you know, maybe, maybe come at it in a bit of a different approach. Absolutely. And I think it's important too that when uh, a conversation is had, if somebody holds some very terrible ideas and is expressing them, I think it's important to attack the ideas and not the person. Of course. Attack the bad ideas. And and like you, I'm in full agreement that bad ideas should be shouted from the mountaintops. Go ahead. Let them be heard. Sing them as loud as you want. Because it's an old trope at this point, but the best way to beat a bad idea is with a good idea. Sure. And if there's no bad ideas being vocalized because everyone's afraid to, you know, say their thing, then like you said, they, these people don't just go away. They don't just change because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it's unpopular because to vocalize canceled. their opinion. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah Nobody's I, really ever canceled, man. Yeah. You know? I, I want the Nazis <laughs> to be vocal. I want the KKK to be vocal because then you know who the idiot assholes are. You know right. where the bad ideas are coming from. You know, like, okay, this guy, 
uh, is all fucked up in the head. So, you know, don't associate with him. You don't want that guy to be in secret and, and thinking that shit, you know, I, I want my no, but, but idiot that's assholes happened. to be right out yeah. in the open. Like, right, you. right. But that's what's happened. They are the secret now and they look just like you and I, and they're heading governments and news agencies. And those guys are those people. And, uh, they won't come out and say it because of this stuff. And, uh, in order to know what a good idea is, we have to know the bad idea or we'll never know. Let hey. that just, that's the right. same idea. Yeah, right. yeah, we we definitely think the same on that. Okay, cool. and uh, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And I really love a lot of the newer Night Demon stuff because you're you're speaking about a lot of things that I sing about. And uh, I know that you guys are going to be putting out a new release. Please tell me and everybody what's going on with that because uh, you guys put out a bunch of stuff like peppered throughout time. But is it all coming out together? Yeah. So in 2020, we we put out five singles. So the idea was pre-pandemic, we were like, okay, let's try something a little different here because we were just writing a bunch of different, I guess, stylistically, the songs that we were writing were, you know, not very cohesive on a full-length album. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's sure. just, we, were, we, were, we were just kind of going just experimenting. I mean, not nothing crazy, but just, I don't know, like uh, we just kind of felt like we were writing for the first time we were writing songs just for the song. And we were really concentrating on one song at a time. You know, it's like, Hey, here's the vibe of this thing. Okay. Now we're in this mode. Here's the vibe of this thing. And at the end of the day, they, they kind of stood on their own. So we approached the label about doing it. And that was, that was met with uh, quite a bit of hesitancy and, and I get why, but, but um I was like, look, man, like singles are like, they're not the future. They're kind of the now because of the way that people listen to music. I I said, but yeah, I said, but we're an old school band too. And so I want to keep the old school traditions. And I explained to them like some, you know, I'm like a big music historian. So I was like, look, singles are also the old way. Like that's how music used to come out. It was a song and it came out on a seven inch vinyl and the LP wasn't created until you had to compile these things. Uh, that you know, that's when the thirty-three and a third record it was created for that reason. Like full-length records were just compilations of singles, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, so we want to do what's new, and we want to do what's old as well, and we want to stick with our traditions. So what we did was in twenty twenty, starting in April, we we released a single every five weeks on a, on a seven inch and and digitally with like a lyric video and a behind the scenes thing of us, you know, making the song. And, um, we didn't do any pre-order. We didn't do any promotion for it, like ahead of time. And we just kind of dropped them every five weeks. We didn't tell the fans what was coming at some point. They were like, when the fuck is this going to end? You know, but, (laughs) but, uh, but, but like, you know, thankfully they all sold out each day they went on sale. So it was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. Um, but yeah, I was I was worried at first. I was like, man, I was like, as soon as they agreed to do it, I was like, fuck, guys, like we're gonna be sitting on a lot of records at the end of the year, you know, like because you know you're making a thousand seven inches every five weeks or something. It's like at a certain point, you know, it's like somebody's gonna say like, what the fuck? But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we went 
we went out to do this whole experiment with all these different guys. You know, Matt Hyde did did the first song, Empire's Fall. And then we went out to uh, Denmark and recorded with Fleming Rasmussen for the song Kill the Pain. Uh, we went to Chicago, recorded with Steve Albini to do the song Are You Out There? Uh, we The fifth single is uh, us playing a couple old 70s Scorpions covers in Germany on stage with Uli John Roth. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it was just really cool to be able to, to kind of do something different. And so, you know, obviously – we had so much touring planned in 2020 and the idea was every five weeks when a single would come out, you know, we would still be on tour and it's like, Hey, now we're going to put this song into the set kind of thing. But since that didn't happen and now that we're getting back on the road, we were like, okay, well, we're not going to release, we're not going to release another fucking record. Like, well, we're not, well, we're not able to go support it. So the label is like, Hey, let's, uh, let's just put out a comp of all the, the stuff because the B sides on on the singles were never available online. They were just on the seven inches and those went quick and, you know, they went to collectors. A lot of people don't even open them and play them, you know? So we thought it'd be good to get these songs out there. So here you go. You got 10 songs that came out in 2020. Five of the tracks have probably not been heard by most people. And yeah, it's nice, neat package. And it's like, keeps our discography clean and fuck it. It's another thing that we want to put out and go out there and hit the road and do some stuff with before our new record comes out. That's really cool. sounds like you guys were on a similar wavelength to myself and my guys in my band. Cause we've discussed doing the same kind of thing. Like after we're out of our, our deals, we've talked about doing stuff ourselves and putting out a single or two songs here and there just a few times a year. Instead of making people wait three years for 10 new songs, why don't we just put out a new song every four months or whatever? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think for Night Demon, we've always said, you know, we, we, have, we, have an, we have a debut EP, we have two full lengths, we have a live album, and then we have this comp, and we have a new, our, so our third studio record is coming out at the end of this year, but we never wanted to be a band that made 20 albums, you know, and... I, I always think the best part of a band is like the first four or five records anyway. So of every band that I love, that is absolutely the case. 100%. I've mm -hmm. broken it down. And so I just figured, you know, like as the band, you know, Night Demon is like, we've only been out there since 2013. So uh, there's still some life. There's still a lot to do here. But, you know, it's like in your case, if you're in like, you know, you've been in the same band your whole life. Like you're going to have, you're going to go through a lot of stages, you know, like you're going to have that young phase yep. where you're just figuring it out, you know? And like, luckily your band's got some really good shit. So, uh, there's not like any, none of those Havoc records are embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? Like there's like some things the, that I wish were different in the past, but <laughs> of course, of course, it, it, of course, yeah, it's all embarrassing. A, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, we we like could, you didn't have like you didn't have that. a corn phase, you know. No, we didn't like, have a corn yeah, phase. Yeah. So so, <laughs> uh, but but you know, I mean, moving forward, it's like that's not a bad idea for for bands like us or a band like yourself. Like, you know, it's like if you have if you have a strong discography, right? Like, why make another another record? Like, oh, here's a good example. 
the Scorpions are one of my favorite bands. I used I used to go see them on tour, like every year they would tour, mm-hmm. and they would put out a record every couple of years. And like in the two thousands, they put out like three or four albums, and I was like, you know, like there's some pretty, there's some fucking bangers on here. Like I, I wouldn't expect that this late in their career, but like there's some okay stuff. And I would listen to the whole record and be like, Hey, you know, like these guys put some fucking time and effort into this, you know, but you'd go see them on tour. They play two songs off the new record and then play the hits. And they're still not playing all the hits you want to hear, like all the deep cuts from mm-hmm. back in the day. Right. And then I, I would go see them the following year, new album, new tour. Same thing would happen. Right. But it's like the, the album that came out the year before, it's like it never existed. Right. And you're sitting there wondering, why wouldn't you guys just make two songs and put those that, out? <laughs> you're right. Exactly. It's, I'm like, put your, like, what's wrong with putting all of your effort into one or two, like, amazing songs? Do a great video for it. Like, make it the best you can. Put everything you have into it, into one fucking song. Like, in this point in your life, where you're at right now. And just make it the fucking very best you can and make it a song that's going to like live forever in your catalog yep. and you can go out and play it forever. And it means, it means just as much, if not more than doing a record with a bunch of throwaway songs, you know, yeah. uh, that's just the, the nature of the beast, you know, bands like us, we don't, you know, when in a live setting, I mean, you're not going to, you're not a band like ours is never going to play like 90 minutes is a long set, you know, like it's going to be shorter most of the time. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, you, you only have a limited amount of time to, to put your shit in there, you know? So, yeah. And you asked the question at the beginning of your statement there with what's wrong with doing it that way, you know, putting out two amazing songs that you put all of your heart and soul into nothing. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And I actually would prefer bands to do that kind of shit because let's be real. A band like the Scorpions, they've got hun- easily over a hundred songs, maybe a couple hundred oh, yeah. songs to choose from to play live. Like, you guys don't need to put out twelve new songs every couple of years. Put out one super sick song that you turn into a single and make it a radio hit, like all your old uh-huh. stuff. That seems like a smarter thing to do, in in my opinion, just for yeah, uh, what you're putting in versus what you get out. You know, the return yeah, on you'll investment. Still have- You'll still have cover art for it. You'll st- still make a T-shirt out of it. You know, like it still makes that statement. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, it, on Spotify. That's all. Anybody's only going to play the single anyway. Like you'll still get playlisted. You know, you'll sure. be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And this is what me and my guys have discussed, and we think it's a probably a smart thing to do because also taking a step aside from the rock and metal world for a second rappers and pop artists they do this shit all the time rappers will put out like four or five new singles every year and then people are constantly listening to their new stuff and there's always content coming out it's always something new to get excited about some new collaboration or whatever i think that's a really brilliant way to to do it especially like you said in modern times where people have a goldfish attention span i think releasing singles is a lot more viable for getting people's attention, you know, and it's just easier yeah. on the band too. And it makes it more creative, more fun. You can be more experimental. Look at bands like in the seventies, like David Bowie and stuff like, Hey, or queen or whatever. Like here's this new stuff. Oh, you don't like it. We'll just wait like six months. There's going to be something else coming out. Exactly. And you know, I, I still do. I will say this, the full album format still works in metal. It's the only genre that it does still work in. So like, um, it's not dead, but if you don't need to do it, don't, 
because you're ruining your brand by doing that. And like you said, it's like put the time and energy into one or two great songs instead of a half effort into 10 songs. Yep. And we've discussed <laughs> doing something that's much like what you guys are going to be putting out here. We drop some singles. Well, I think you should. Drop some singles here and there, bop, 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 bop. And then once there's enough to press it onto a physical version, we'll we'll spend our own money and, and do it that way. This is what we've That's discussed doing in the future. But uh, we still have one more record with Century Media, and we've talked about doing some cover songs. So that That's may, sick, that may be should. the way. And what we want to do is cover a bunch of shit that people wouldn't expect us to cover, stuff that's not right, really right. metal, and then metalize right. it and uh, you know, put that out as a, a full length. You should. I mean, this compilation that we have coming out, six of the, it's sixty percent covers. So mm-hmm. like, Sony's the label to do it. They can afford the licensing and they can get in touch. I mean, we there's a live version of Iron Maiden's "Wasted Years" on there, and like, they contacted Maiden, and Maiden's like, okay, they listened to it, and they're like, yeah, okay, that's cool. You know, if I were to do that, hey, Rod Smallwood, uh, you know, it's like I don't know if I'd get a reply. You know, so yeah, so, dude, that uh, that Maiden cover is sick as fuck. You guys did a great job on that. Where was that recorded? Thank you. That was at the Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland, Ohio. All right. It came out amazing. That That's a thanks. really, really good cover. Yeah, thanks. It was The energy was definitely there tonight. They set an attendance record there by overselling the venue. <laughs> but but, but uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good. I'm glad that, glad that we hung on to that, you know. Yeah, did a killer job. How did you guys track it? Uh, it sounded like it was multi-tracked and then oh, mixed, yeah. remixed later. Yeah, so we did a live album there in December of, we recorded December of 2017, it was called Live Darkness, and that came out in August of 2018, it was a three vinyl triple live album, it's a 90 minute show, and um, we we told our fans about it ahead of time, like, hey look, we're doing this taping for a live record, and we're doing it at, for a charity event, for a, a homeless food drive, and uh, everybody bought tickets, and I think there was uh, 700, 700 or 800 people there. Yeah. And people flew, people flew in from all over the world because it's like, hey, get to be on the Night Demon Live album. And so um, we had, uh, you know, we only had one shot at this. Most, most bands get to record a live album over a whole tour or maybe multiple nights at the same venue. So we, uh, we set up multi-track stuff, and we, we set up a lot of mics in the room. We really wanted to capture, like, the audience. Smart. And... Uh, um, yeah, and so what we did was we we actually recorded the sound check. We sound checked the whole show, and then when it came time for showtime, we obviously recorded the show. And so thank God we did that because there were, as with every concert, you know, when you're fucking running around on stage, like shit happens, chords get pulled out, mics mm-hmm. go bad. Yeah, and so we did have to sub out a couple parts, and that's when it's like, great, we don't have to go in the studio and re-record this fucking album. You know, it's like you want it, you don't want to do that, you know. But um, the lot was on the line, so we we did. There was there was a song, uh, the song "Screams of the Night." We did have to start over because the guitar just cut out during the guitar solo. And we're like, no, but you know, we told the audience what was up, and. Um, that year I had seen uh, the Misfits reunion shows. Yeah. And they did they did this thing where you they wouldn't allow phones into the into the arena and you had to put your phone in this like little foam like wetsuit neoprene case and you know so you got to have your phone on you and if you needed to use it you could go outside and they would unlock the phone and and you can use it right and so we kind of we implemented the same rules at 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 our show here because it was for a live album. And uh, so we didn't allow any any phones, any photography, any cameras, anything. Some people bitched, but you know, 
fuck it, whatever. It's like, these are the rules. And, and it actually made for a much better show. You can hear the audience having a much better time because they're, they're totally engaged with what we're doing. There's no distractions. Right. right. Yep. Um, but I mean, we hired, we hired our own photo crew. We had a, we had a, about four or five pro photographers that we knew that we hired. We had a, we had a 12 camera video on there. There's never been any video released of this show. And, you know, we have this stuff. It's like, it's not that we didn't have that end covered. We didn't need people to throw it up on YouTube. You know, the album came in at like number 40 on the German charts the, on its debut. And that might not have happened if people saw the fucking show eight months prior on online, a shitty version of it, you know? Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really cool that you guys implemented that rule. I know Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, some of these dudes do that stuff too. Cancel. Cancel. <laughs> They, yeah, they're, they're taking people's cell phones away so that they can't get canceled and they can actually f- speak freely. <laughs> I don't like what they are saying. And so I think that they should not say anything again. They should have no platform <laughs> to talk because because I'm offended, okay? It offends me. And nobody has a right to offend me with their opinion, especially when they're not even talking to me directly. <laughs> You You're just, out of here. You just summed up uh, a lot of people's attitudes here in 2022. <laughs> I can't believe we're in 2022, man. Like what? A, <laughs> it's like uh, we're already here, man. It's just uh, it's a crazy it's a crazy world, man. I try and stay positive, to be honest with you. I, I, you I even to. on social, yeah, even on social media now. Like I've I've got pop up. I've got blockers on my on my Facebook and stuff. Like I can't even see the newsfeed anymore. Like, cause I'm just like, Nope. Instead I just get a, like a motivational quote and I'm like, I'm here to use this as a tool. I can't get into this shit anymore because I just, I want to keep my friends. I want to be friends with everybody and I want them to have their own opinion. And, and I'm okay with that stuff. I, but it really just, the stuff is like, it can, it can really poison your mind, man. You know? Just uh, I, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm blind to things, and I, I'm just going to be unaware. But uh, I want to take, I want to be in control of my time and my mind. And when I want to go look for this stuff, I'm going to go look for it. But the thing is, with the culture today, people look online for something that they, and then when they don't find the answer that they want, they'll keep searching till they find it, and it's there. And it, it's, it's like. I, I don't even know where to look anymore for for news. So I just I like to stay involved with the people that I'm directly surrounded with. I go out into the community a lot. I go and talk to people. I go and hang out places. I go to shows all the time. I, I go socialize with people. And I've noticed that when you actually get out into the world, <laughs> there's none of this bullshit. Nobody fucking argues like this face-to-face ever. It doesn't happen. If it does, it's usually over too many drinks and because of something that they saw online a minute ago, you know? Yeah. The online thing, the lack of real human interaction where there's a a threat of things escalating to you getting punched in the face or something (laughs) really really is a new phenomenon. The, the internet and everyone getting to voice their, their bullshit and really say some crazy, like not cool things to each other is very new. That's, it's a new precedent that we're living through, and it's really amazing to witness. We're living through a really interesting time where you and I are some of the last people in our generation, especially being from the Western world in the U.S., that remembers life pre-internet. 
I think that gives us a special perspective that most people don't have, especially people younger than us. Yeah, I can't even, I can't even relate, you know, um, I, I was just talking about this last night to somebody funny enough that you said that, but yeah, I'm really grateful to have, to have that. And anybody that, anybody that's lived in both eras, I think it's important to know, please always keep in touch with the, the, your old self because it's very easy to adapt to what's happening and you will lose your focus and attention with with what's happening it will go away but just remember you know there's there's so many brilliant things about modern convenience i'm in ireland right now you're in colorado we're talking to each other on the phone and recording it for the world you yeah, know it's amazing. but and you know i i i also appreciate not spending uh, 10 days every day going, who was the guy in the movie with the mustache when the car flipped over? What was that? You know, like, 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 and asking all my friends, you know, but now I could literally just Google that phrase and I actually might get the answer, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, so I love modern conveniences, but you know, everybody just remember, just read a fucking book, you know, pick up a book, read a book. There's, there's so much scientific stuff now that everybody's a scientist, right? So there's so much scientific, there's so much science-based evidence out there about the healthy things of the old world that really keep you alive and living and sharp. And it's not about drug, uh, big pharma drugs. It's not about street drugs. It's not about, um, you know, uh, Blue light, red light, uh, blue blocker. I mean, I guess that stuff helps if you're a biohacker guy. But, you know, I mean, I do things for my health all the time. I try and drink less. I, I did a five-day fast last week. I didn't eat for five fucking Dude, days. Dude, that's a it's long hard. time. I yeah. did a three-day that, fast once, but not five. Three, Jesus. Well, listen, three days is great. Like like anything over 72 hours post-autophagy, like, you know, your body actually heals itself, yep. you know, and you can survive – you can easily survive that long without food and you're actually not hungry. It's, it, you know, but I'm saying we, there's a lot of things we can do right now as, as humans and the information is there, you know, to, to make ourselves human again, you know, and like uh, be able to be able to go off and fight what, anything that's out there because more than COVID, I mean, there's like uh there's tons of other, other shit in the world, man. Like, no, like there, there's a lot <laughs> of stuff to actually be way more concerned with. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember a tour that I've ever been on where I wasn't fucking sick at one point, you know, mm-hmm. like, right. so it's something, it's always something, but you know, I have a strong immune system because of that. You know, I, I, I get around and I get out there and I let my body do what it's naturally here to do, man. And I try not to fill it with crap and, preservatives and all the stuff that's not really food, you know? So I think a lot of these, uh, a lot of people should really look at what money is going behind all of the stuff that you're hearing and reading. And instead of jumping on your neighbor for asking questions, you should say, Hey, you know, nobody's promoting eating healthy. Nobody is promoting, nobody's trying to take down the companies that are not, not regulated, that are serving you stuff. That's not actually food. And, you know, nobody is, uh, nobody's talking about that stuff. And I think that we should be telling people about that. We should be at least telling the people we care about, about that stuff, you know, but it's, uh, everybody's looking for the treatment and not the cure, you know, and the cure always starts within, you know, nobody's going to do anything for you. Just kind of like a record company, you know, it's like, or your career. It's like, you got to be fucking tough and you got to be motivated to do stuff for yourself. For sure. And I think one of the natural things that's free that everyone, well, most people can do, 
that's really good for you is go walk in the fucking woods. Reconnect with your base humanity and uh, clear your head. And Yeah, it's not about blue lights and red lights and GMOs and chemtrails. <laughs> it's about clearing your head and staring at a fucking tree. Yeah, you know, not to sound like a fucking crystal twinkie or anything, but I've been, <laughs> um, I, <laughs> or a fucking dirty hippie, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still a metalhead, but uh, I've been, I've been meditating for years, but I actually, I was trained in uh, transcendental meditation and I do that uh, t- 20 minutes twice a day for the last two years. And, and to be honest, it's the most, it's enhanced my creativity tenfold. It's, it's totally changed the way I, I react to things, you know, and I, I'm a lot more mellow now. And I actually, I'm a lot more calm. I'm a lot less stressed for a guy who has a pretty stressful lifestyle. You know, there's a lot of things that I have to deal with on a daily basis, but, um, I, it's, it's really helped a lot and it's a good introspective way to just quiet your mind and do nothing. And, um, especially for people that are always on the, the social media news feed, you know, that they're on the slot machine all day. Um, really just try it sometimes just, and you know, it's, it's something that takes practice, but sometimes just my advice would just be to, if, you know, if, uh, if you're not doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, just try to do nothing, you know, just try to do nothing. <laughs> like don't watch TV. Don't distract yourself with some bullshit. Like just try and sit there with yourself sometimes with your own thoughts and just, just, that's it. You know? And if you want to close your eyes, even better. I did a whole lot of nothing um, a couple weeks ago. I went into an isolation like float tank for the first time. Those are brilliant. It was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. It was very peaceful, obviously. There's nothing going on. And uh, the thing that I really dug about it that you can't get with just normal meditation is the fact that you were floating. You don't get right. that in the ocean. You don't get that in a pool. You don't get that when you're laying in bed. You have the sensation of you know no... No pressure on your spine, no pressure on any part of your body. It was it was really cool. That's that's a special thing. I mean, they fill up that tub with a thousand pounds of Epsom salt to make you right. float like that. Yeah, just totally buoyant. Were you in uh, complete darkness? Oh yeah. Okay, so you were in a so it was in a sensory deprivation chamber. Is that what they would call that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a float, float tank, amazing. but sensory deprivation. So there was no light. Um, the water was about like skin temperature and so was the air inside. So you didn't get cold. You weren't hot. It was just as minimal outside stimulus as possible. Yeah, that's fucking incredible. It was really that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. You should go do it sometime, especially if you're into meditating. I think you would really get a kick out of doing that because it was yeah, a special that's, sensation. That's one of those things. Yeah. That's always been on my list of, of things. You know, I, I will definitely be, be doing that. I've done some stuff similar to that, but I haven't done the, I haven't been in the, the chamber, the darkness, you know, they, they do. I did go to a float center once that, that they have that, but you know, it was just, uh, you know, aromatherapy candles and some music, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. They but, uh, offered to have some ambient meditation kind of music, just droney Brian Eno kind of stuff. Um, right. And they asked me, do you want the music or no? I was like, no, because I want the full experience being left alone and with my own mind, total darkness, sure. silence. Nice. And it was nice. cool. It, it was really cool. I, I think you would really love it, especially being the expert meditator that you are. Well, it's a practice, man. Like I said, you never perfect it. You just get better. And some days are different than others, you know? So 
it's one of the most important things in my life now. It's one of, you know, you wouldn't leave the house without clothes. It's that important to me. I feel like uh, you got to be primed. You got to prime your mind before you head out into this fucking crazy world. How would you accomplish that if you were on tour? I would just do it. I, I found myself in situations where I've had to do it in crazy situations. You know, I mean, you just, you just do it. <laughs> you just do it. I've done it in a car. I've done it in a parking lot, done it on a train when I have had to have done it on planes. But you know, if you could try and find a quiet place and try and be as comfortable as you can, that's the key. And try not to be tense, just be comfortable. And, uh, you know, you kind of have a mantra that you say to yourself over and over again, your mind starts to wander. It's like dreaming, you know? And what I find too, is you're really, you're really awake and alert after after the fact it's like taking a power nap but you're not fully asleep you know and but it's like dreaming in the sense that your mind it's like a david lynch movie you know like it's like sometimes you just think of weird shit and you're like oh that what that doesn't make sense or like why is a cow talking to me you know i don't know (laughs) but sometimes the cow will give you some fucking lyrics you know or (laughs) i don't know i can't explain it but yeah that's really cool that's really cool. I, I need to try getting into that. I love walking in the woods. That's one of my favorite things, and I consider it a form of active meditation. And I feel like sure. uh, there's there's many forms of active meditation: painting, drawing, um, e- fuck, even like cooking, doing dishes. Mm. These are things where your mind can just wander, and you're not really terribly focused on outside stimuli. You're just doing kind of a, a droney robot activity. But uh, it, it is calming. Walking is one of the best things, you know. Walking um, outside, it's, it's, yes. Yeah, at walking outside in the fresh air. But you also, it does something to your senses, you know, and you, you actually notice things a lot more. It's really, really good for comprehensive thinking or learning. Like if you're reading a book and you really want to learn what's in the book, mo- always be moving. Don't be sitting down doing it. Your brain accepts it in a much different way. There's a guy named Jim Quick who's written a lot of books about this and how to read faster and how to retain the knowledge and stuff. So I recommend that to any of your listeners. Uh, if they're interested in uh, retaining stuff, any of you readers out there. Jim Quick? Yep. Cool. I'm going to look him up. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you guys have a song called Visteria. and. Yeah. Is Visteria a term that you guys whipped up for the song, or is yeah. it a real thing? Okay. Yeah, no, we created it. I think actually Urban Dictionary went with it after our song came out and said, okay, well, here's a new word. So wow. it's like a, it's a viral, viral hysteria is kind of what the way we thought it. And um, yeah, so we wrote this song um, in March of 2020 when we kind of saw what was going to happen here. And we, Night Demon has never written a politically charged song ever in our career we were just not that kind of band and we just kind of decided well this is a pretty interesting thing that is happening so right when the first thing was headed for lockdown right when we were trying to flatten the curve in the first two weeks we uh when we had the two-week lockdown right and then we were supposed to be all fine we wrote this song right away i mean we we were seeing stuff on the news that said literally like i saw things that said like no hope you know things like this and we were just like whoa hold the fuck on we kind of just wanted to write a song about the influence of the media and information in no way were we any kind of covid deniers or anything like this this was well before the vaccine was even really talked about Mm -hmm. um when we wrote this but yeah, you know, this song ended up coming out in July of 2020. So just to give you some perspective on the timeline, okay? So 
we wrote it in March. We obviously had to record it and press it on vinyl, so it came out in uh, July. Uh, I fuck, did it come out on July fourth? I can't remember. <laughs> that would have been perfect, but but um, yeah, you know, the cover art depicts a doctor pulling his skin off his face in a mad panic, like he's got this deadly virus, and you've got uh, you've also got um, some military men on there with uh, assault rifles and gas masks, and you got politicians holding stacks of cash. And for us, it's like we just kind of saw the writing on the wall and we're like, wow, this is really cool. We could finally write a political song in this band because we we just knew we're like, this is going to be something big. We've never thought we'd see something like this in our in our lifetime. You know, like, this is going to be something that this is going to blow up in everybody's face. I, we didn't think it would divide the people as much as it did. And that's where my heart really breaks, you know, but we're like. Oh man, this is crazy. We're going to like finally some of this corruption is going to be exposed and it's because of something like this, you know? <laughs> and, and it, uh, <laughs> it kind of went the other way. The the corruption got exposed, but a lot of people put the blinders on. Yeah, you know, but here's the th- here's the way I look at it, David. You got to give historical events some time. You got to let it be history, you know? So, it's always it takes a lot of bravery to go against the the grain when things are happening. And a lot of people are afraid to do that. It's, it's hard. It's our natural human instinct to want to be accepted. You know, we have this sense of tribalism and it feels good to be a part of a group. It feels good to be accepted by your friends and, and your family. And, and, you know, you want people to respect you. And when you're out there in the public eye and people are listening to what you're saying, you're an influencer in a way. You always want to be careful about the things you talk about because, you want to be somebody that anybody can can appreciate. You don't want to be too strong. I'm not for extremism at all. I'll just say that of any kind. Uh, I'm not left or right. If there's a left and right, then there's a middle, and that's where you'll find me. But I do believe in the truth, and I and I do believe that people should speak out against big corporate scare tactics, and we just need to be smarter as a society. And I think if somebody had to go out there and just do their small part and defend the rights of people and, and we could do ours, that that's what this statement is. That's all it is. It's not COVID denying. It's nothing like that. You know, it's not QAnon. I don't give it. I don't even know what that shit is like, but I do know when we're being taken for a ride. Yeah. You and I both. And our last record V came out on May 1st, 2020. And so many people were convinced that the song lyrical themes on that record were all about COVID and it was funny to <laughs> look back yeah, pre-COVID. Like, uh, we wrote and recorded all of this. It was all finished in the bag by September of 2019. So, you know, it just sadly uh, happened that a lot of these lyrics happened to map onto reality a little too closely in 2020. Well, I think it's pro- very prophetic in a way, but here's the problem. I think the Hollywood movies are so good now that like when the shit actually happens in real life, nobody can believe it's actually happening. It's so hard to believe. It's like, my, and my thing is just this, I advise everybody to strongly just always look at every situation as there's not one narrative. Okay. There's many narratives. Yes. Okay. If there's a deadly virus and people are dying, that sucks. Yeah. We need to figure that out. Okay. But it's not just about that. It's about a lot of things. There was a lot of people that took advantage of this, yeah. Yes, you can't turn a blind eye to the other things. You know, there's multiple narratives here. You have to look ahead a little bit before you just start giving stuff away, 
you know? A hundred percent. That reminds me of a lyric that I wrote down from Visteria. Uh, there's a part where you say, destroy the fear inside. It's only then you realize your freedom dies. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, when I say the word freedom, everybody thinks I'm some fucking redneck, which, by the way, just because, you know, somebody has an accent from the South doesn't make them uneducated. That's just uh, some stereotype. But, you know, when now the word freedom has been now linked to uh, white supremacy. Yeah, it's, it's conf- hilarious. Or, or, con- or, con- <laughs> the conf- or the Confederacy or something, <laughs> you know. And it's like, yeah, I don't get it, man. I'm just trying to look for another uh, – a synonym for freedom, you know, I, I just like, it's the minute you say that though, it's like, I might as well be fucking Garth Brooks or something, you know, it's like, I, I just don't understand. And I don't think anybody, again, I'm not faulting anybody. I think we're all just victims of, of this false narrative, you know, and not looking at, yeah. So I don't want to personally blame anybody because I don't want to cancel anybody just as like, I don't want anybody to cancel anybody else. So the people that are, that are acting in uninformed right now and are being very extreme about it, you know, it's like, I come from the punk and metal underground. I've never seen more just complete 180 shit. Now it's like, what now it's just like, listen to the man, listen to the man. And I'm just like, please, if you have a difference of opinion against this stuff, you're just blackballed. And, you know, I'm, I'm very careful with that stuff. But also, just like I don't want anybody else to be canceled, I will give everybody in the world the benefit of the doubt here. And I'll give everybody a second and third chance because I would want one too. And I just know at the end of the day, we're going to know a lot more about this kind of stuff. And, and I feel the same way that I felt when it started. And look, I'm vaccinated and I didn't do it out of fear. I kind of got, just kind of got coerced into it, you know, like I wanted to travel the world and so I had to do it, but obviously that wasn't enough and now they want more. So I don't know. We'll see. But I am all about bodily autonomy and, and freedom of speech. I mean, if you don't have that, you have nothing. So I think it should be everybody's choice of what they do with their body. And, you know, if you don't want to go outside because you're afraid, then you don't have to, but it's not anybody else's right to keep you safe. That's completely wrong, and, and I think that's the wrong stance that a lot of people are taking right now. What about my safety? Well, that's your responsibility, not mine. Yep, that's correct. I mean, if you're, if you're really worried about safety, you should uh, never drive a car again. Yeah. You should not eat any fast food. You should grow all your own vegetables t- so you can make sure there's no pesticide sprayed on them. Like, where do you draw the line here? Exactly. Are you just biting a narrative or do you actually care about your safety as much as you proclaim to? It's really interesting, yeah. but that song really struck a chord with me when it came out. I remember seeing the video and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And the thing is, in my opinion, this is just my take on it. To me, it's not political. To me, it's apolitical. You're not saying, hey, vote for Democrats. Hey, vote for partisan politicians. You know, you're, you're right. kind of spitting venom at the whole system, which to me is not political. It's apolitical because to me, politics is trying to get someone to think one way or the other. You're kind of calling out the whole thing. And I do that too. So I saw a lot of me in that song. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you saying that. And like, as you know, though, many people, I mean, it's a goddamn lyric video too. The lyrics are right there. Many people don't read the lyrics. They, they form their own opinion in the first five seconds and they, they have a platform now where they could say something, you know, Mm -hmm. but the last, the last uh, time somebody said, hey, you want to take a step outside? It was like 18 years ago in my life. But now every day, it seems like 
online, somebody wants to say, Hey, you want to take a step into the metaverse so I can kick your ass? You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, you wouldn't really say that to me. You would never say it to me because you would lose. Yeah, it's yeah, a, I mean, <laughs> it's a strange world we're definitely coming into right now, which is really interesting. It's already weird, but I think about often what's this going to look like in ten years, in twenty years. It's going to be so fucked in in such a sci-fi dystopian, just detached from reality kind of a world. I think. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I'm 41 years old now, and uh, I. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the back half of my life just because I know who I am and I know I love playing music and I'm going to keep playing through a fucking Marshall tube amp and I'm going to like stay, I'm going to stay me. I'm going to stay my way. And I've been fortunate enough to be involved in some things that have a legacy in the books of heavy metal that aren't going anywhere, you know? And from here, all I can do is just move forward and add to that and just in you know, enjoy my life. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. We could go at any moment. I say it all the time. You know, I really do think that happiness is a choice. And I think that gratitude equates to happiness. Gratitude and happiness go hand in hand. So there's only, absolutely. you got to take inventory of the things that we can control and the things we cannot, the shit we can't let it go. And there's a ton of fucking things to be grateful for, man. When you really break it down, I mean, just waking up, just waking up in the morning. There's a hundred thousand people didn't today, you know? Yep. You are correct, sir. Yeah. It's really about perspective. Your life is as good or as bad as you want it to be. Sure. You can better your situation. You can make it worse. And 99%, there's a great suicidal tendencies lyric in the song, gotta kill captain stupid, where he says 99% of it's what you make of it. So if your life sucks, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That pretty much sums it up. I want to ask you too about your flying V base. What kind of a base is that thing? It looks like an old so, Gibson 67 flying V for people that can't see it right now. Yeah. So it's actually, um, I used to play these flying V bases made in Japan by this company called Vantage. It was like an old company. It's basically like a Hondo, like for you uh-huh. guitar, pawn shop guitar players, right? It's like a, just a really cheap guitar. And they made these Flying V bases in 1981, which is actually the year that I was born. And um, the year Metallica formed, you know, like it was just a magical year. So uh, for me, at least. And I found one online and I really liked it back in the day. And uh, it had what I liked about it is I was always a Fender P bass player. And these Flying V bases, they had a P bass pickup in it mm-hmm. and not like two, like a split pickup, which I just don't that's just not my sound for bass. It's just, it's, I play too aggressively and it doesn't sound good, you know? So, um, and it had a slightly like a, it had a medium scale, so it wasn't as long. So you could really fucking rock on this thing. And, um, so anyway, I started playing that bass and I started collecting those bases whenever I could find them. So like I found some that were 500 bucks on eBay. I buy them. I, I have some that I bought for like $10. Like, wow. But I, yeah. But I started just collecting them. I was a really real fan of that bass and that model. They're extremely rare, but they're not sought after, you know, but it's kind of like, it's my look, it's my style. And it's cool to be, you know, playing in metal and have you, your signature thing that nobody has, you know? So uh, what happened was I, you know, these things are pretty old and, and uh, just touring so much. And I was kind of like going through them and this company from Italy called jailbreak hit me up and they're like, Hey, you know, 
we want to make a signature guitar for you. And I was like, okay, uh, um, let me send you, I sent them like a couple of my flying Z vantage bases. And they, I said, okay, so, you know, I basically want the exact same thing here, but like, instead of a set neck, I want like a, uh, you know, a, a neck through body. And like, I want these kind of tuners. I want this kind of bridge profile. I want the knob as far away as it could go. Cause I sweat a lot. So my tech usually puts uh, silicone in, in all the gaps of the base. And I just, instead of a volume knob, I usually just, I used to have just an on off switch, but it was actually the, it was a power switch for a speedboat because it had to you couldn't get water in it it was just my bases were just getting fucked you know (laughs) i mean we were trying everything man i had to use all stainless steel you know it's just crazy but anyway so yeah this guy just started i mean he just knocked it out of the park and i was able to like you know he put like our band logo like in the inlays and you know just cool shit i've got the lumen lace stuff have you have you tried that before is that the uh glow in the dark stuff yeah it's fucking incredible dude because it's it's not the kind where like you have actual leds on the top but Mm -hmm. like it's just glow in the dark and like you just hit it with the fucking flashlight before you go on stage and it's like man this is fucking badass because as you know playing on a dark stage is is the way to do it but seeing when you need to is also very important yeah <laughs> so so you can actually look down because you and i both you and i play, uh, sing while we play which is a whole nother fucking challenge but like you know you can actually sometimes you're singing and you actually have to like you have to look down while you're singing you know and like yep. if you could just see that light where that you know, you know where that fret is. It's like, okay, you just kind of, all right, I know where I am, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've got those inlays on a couple of my guitars and, uh, there, there was sometimes too, where I forgot to charge them up before going on stage, but then the lights right. from the stage, uh, totally. after a couple songs kind of brighten them up and, and activate them. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. That's nice. <laughs> I can see right, again. <laughs> right, right. That's cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Actually there's a, a white one that he, that he just made that is actually supposed to show up here, I think today. So, oh, awesome! Um, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to playing that. And there's going to be a production model next year. I think they're they're making like 15 of them for the public. So, cool. Um, I, I'm hoping to make them affordable. You know, I mean, that's kind of the goal: affordable but not shitty. Like, I want people to be able to play them. You know, yeah, and like have, like be proud to play them. You know, <laughs> like some of these signature models from these guitar companies. It's like, eh, it's, you know, the Epiphone. The Epiphones are pretty good these days, but like sometimes you get them and you're like, I want to play what the guy's using. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want just something right. that looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the story with that. That's cool. You're going to have to send me a photo of that when you get that thing in. Hopefully it shows up today. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Well, uh, what day is this new release coming out? March 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. Year of the Demon. It's the 2020 singles collection. I always thought that kind of sounded cool too. Like, you know, I was always a fan, like, you know, when the cult put out like their singles, you know, it's like, Hey, the singles collection or something like that. I'm yeah. Like, oh, okay. You know, it's, it's legit. You know, just the things you can do in a band as you get older and meeting your heroes and playing with them. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's really bad. Uh, but <laughs> just, I'm sure, you know, Oh, well, actually, I know you know all about that. I've read, the, I, 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 I've read about that in the press. By the way, yeah. like without naming any names, that really broke my heart years ago when I read that because I was like, I felt so bad for you guys. And I'm like, what a fucking shitty, what a, what a horrible situation. It's like, what are you supposed to do in that situation? And I was like, you got like, you got basically, you're looking at the guy who's the reason why you do this. 
And then you're getting taken for a fucking ride. And then you're still thinking about, we still have a career that we need to keep for the rest of our lives. Like we spent years, our whole lives building this. We still need to move forward. What do you do in a situation like that? You know, like it's just, it's so fucked. And it's, it's, it's something that it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare to be in. You know, it, at the end of the day, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I would have taken it a lot harder if we would have never gotten to tour uh, with Megadeth. But we had already toured with them. So when this whole thing went down, they were like, we're taking away the tour. I was like, Whatever. Fuck you. We already did it. So. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, the, the whole thing was kind of like what you just said. We built up this whole thing and we were not interested in being taken for a ride it took we took too long too much blood sweat and tears into this thing to just have someone come and steamroll us so we were not going to put up with that i'll just say this i'm glad it went public because that worked out better in your favor because in the industry it's a small world man and all it takes is like the main guy who has all the influence to go these guys fuck them and nobody will fucking want to work with you because they don't want to piss off the guy, you know? Yep. And so I'm glad that it didn't happen. And that's what I'm saying. And it's a nightmare situation because it's like the dude who got you there, one of the biggest reasons you're doing this, you know, it's just, yep. I always think about stuff like that. And when I deal with young bands and like we take bands on tour, I'm always, always super conscious to go, man, I was in that position. And I'm going to be fucking cool to these guys. And I'm not going to treat them like shit. I'm not going to fucking big time them ever. I'm just going to be like, I, you have to respect everybody that's has the courage to go out there and do this stuff, man. I mean, uh, you know, we're the first responders, baby. We're the heroes. <laughs> no, no I, I, and I do, I'm not downplaying that. Okay. I'm not, but listen, it takes a lot of fucking courage to, to go out there and do this kind of stuff and to do what we do, you know, and to, to put it all on the line, it's tiring. And it's like, there's no rock star pension. There's no future in it besides what we build for ourselves, you know, and there's no guarantees. So I commend everybody out there in any kind of art that's taking it seriously enough to go out there and do whatever it takes to make that happen. Yeah. And a special, extra amount of admiration and respect from me to the people that stick with it because you're right it takes a lot of courage to go out there and do it but it takes a, a way bigger set of balls to get kicked in the face so many times and then keep going back for more and scratching and and biting and clawing your way to get into a position where you're better off that takes a very special breed Longevity is the key to any success. You know, I mean, Abraham Lincoln, I think he lost election nine times before he became, he lost election as a fucking like dog catcher or something. You have to stay in the game or else you have no chance. Look at a band like Clutch. They're one of the biggest bands now. They were just plodding along for two and a half decades, you know, putting out a ton of records. You know, a lot of their old records are still owned by majors, but they're like, fuck it. Now they have their own label. Their last three records they put out on their own. They're fucking doing great. Like they, they kept going with it, you know? And that's the thing. It's just, you got to stay in the game. You never know when it's going to happen. There's some old saying, I don't know how it goes, so I'm going to misquote it. But it's basically a guy bought a field that he thought there was gold in, and he dug a bunch of three-foot holes all around the fucking field and said there's no gold and sold it. And the next guy dug three and a half feet and fucking hit it, you know? That's right. Persistence <laughs> <It's> like, pays. <laughs> right. Absolutely. 
Easy to remember. It's got some nice alliteration. Persistence pays. Easy rules for success, I think. Yeah, dog. Yeah, keep it up, dude. I'm really stoked on what you guys are doing and the music you're putting out and the message that you're putting out. And I just love it. I love old school heavy metal. I love fast, tight, and heavy. And that's what you guys do. Yeah, we got to do something on the road one of these days. It's yet to happen, but I, I would I hope love it that. Does you know? Yeah, it would be great. Man. Yeah, I will definitely keep that in mind. Um, so cool. you're living in Northern Ireland. What about the other guys? Yeah, so Armand, our guitar player, is still in Ventura, California. That's where the band's from. And uh, Dusty, our drummer, is living in Pennsylvania. So I'm going to fly back to California next week. We're going to get together and rehearse, uh, finish up some vocals for the new record that's coming out at the end of the year. We've got a Year of the Demon release show in mid-April. Uh, we're putting out a beer that day called Beer of the Demon. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that, that will be coming out. Uh, it's like an English-style ale. And so we'll be doing that in Oxnard, California, and then we'll be playing Hell's Heroes Festival in Houston on April 22nd. And then we hit the road with Midnight for a month in Europe, May and June. We've got a ton of summer festivals. We're going to Mexico. We've got a U.S. tour yet to be announced that's going to happen in the fall. We've got more festivals in, in Europe. We've got uh, about 100 gigs this year coming up. So Hell yeah, that's rad. Um, you guys are get, yeah, hitting we'll it hard. See. Yeah, restrictions have been dropped, man, you know, like in a lot of places. So even in Europe, it's crazy. Even in the Netherlands, man, after all that rioting, there is like zero check now. They're not checking for anything. Maybe so, maybe the rioting helped. <laughs> I, yeah, you never know. You never know. You would hope so. You guys are playing a festival in Northern Ireland called Frost and Fireland Festival. Yeah, I'm actually putting that on, yeah. Okay, so, I, I was curious about that because a lot of the bands that are on your label are playing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, So there's a festival called Frost and Fire that we started, that we've been doing since 2015. We have editions in uh, California and in London. And this year we wanted to bring it to Northern Ireland. I mean, I've been living out here up in the city of Derry, and uh, it's a lot of great history here. It's the oldest uh, walled city in Europe that still has the original walls. Wow. Uh, there's ca there's cannons on it and shit. It's insane. It's a great place for metal. And with Frost and Fire, we usually try and do it in places that are away from major cities so the metalheads can come in here and dominate and not just feel like another freak in, on the street, uh, just a face in the crowd, you know. Even in London, we do it in Camden, which is the more kind of tight-knit, cooler underground area, you know, so. So, yeah, so we're putting that on. It's June uh, 17th and 18th, and that's going to be really cool. IronGripHeavyMetal.com. You can get tickets for that. And, yeah, like I said, ton of stuff. NightDemon.net is where to go if you want to find out anything about Night Demon. It's got links to all the shit. And, yeah, we like to stay busy as a band. We do this full time. <laughs> Check out the podcast. It comes out every week. And, uh, yeah, you know, if anything, we get a lot of feedback from people that listen to the podcast that were never even into the band. I mean, obviously, our hardcore fans love it, but people like it because it's a great story about a real band in this era that really does it for a living and the sacrifices that it takes and all the cool stories that come along with all the drawbacks you know there's always something good that comes out of it and like like you said gratitude is good and it's all about how you look at things yes absolutely want to ask you one last question this is a question i ask all the guests that are on the podcast if you could give one piece of advice to future generations what would you want to tell them go sing it 
No, uh, sorry. That was a, <laughs> if, if for, for any of you who've seen Year and a Half in the Life of Metallica, that's, uh, the, I wouldn't ask you to do a drum roll if your arm fell off. Yeah. You want to uh, hear but, that uh, song with vocals? <laughs> go sing it. Go, yeah. <laughs> go sing it. <laughs> so, um, no, no. Look, it's, it's, it's very simple, what I would say. And I've said this many times before in, in, in a lot of interviews. Whenever, you know, you always get those written interviews, right? Where they're like, any last words? You know, right? Yeah. You're asking me a specific question. And this, and this is the same thing that I always say. And it goes a little bit back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. But I think it's very important for everybody in their life to really take some time and to start thinking for themselves about themselves, not about anything else, not about anything else around them or anybody else. Okay. Think for yourself about yourself and find out what you're passionate about. We're all passionate about something and you don't have to know right now what it is that you want to do, but as long as you are thinking about it and you're in the process of trying to discover that you're going to be okay. You know, I think that everybody needs to follow their passion. If you like sweeping the street, go by the best fucking broom you can find and sweep your ass off and be the best at it. Life is so fucking precious and it's so short. And you know what? Eventually, all this is going to turn to dust and nobody's even going to remember any of this shit. Okay. So we need to be happy and we're only happy when we're doing the things that resonate with us. And that we love. We're all here for a purpose. We just need to do the work to discover what that purpose is. And once you have that, you're going to be just fine. Don't be afraid to quit your life, okay? Don't be afraid to quit anything. If you're in a bad relationship, if you have a shitty job, fucking run out of it like it's a fucking burning building. It takes a lot of courage, but you will be fine and you will thank yourself for it later. I absolutely promise. Just do it. Nothing bad is going to happen. Only good things will happen to you. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Hell yeah. Follow the passion. Doing what makes you happy is really important because as you said, life is super short. I I love what you just said and I think people are going to dig it as well. Most people, let me just close with this. Most people on their deathbeds that know they're dying, they never talk about their regrets about, I wish I never would have done this or that. They always talk about the things that they wish they would have done. You're right. So go do those things. Hell yeah. That's a great way to leave this thing. Thanks a lot for taking the time, Jarvis. I really appreciate it, bro. Thank you, brother. You made it to the end. You kept up the good work. Now go out into the world and keep it up, man. (laughs) Oh, keep it going. Keep it going for this listener right here. Come on, folks. Give it up. Give it up. I sincerely thank you for making it all the way to the end. You guys are awesome. Thanks a lot for checking it out. I hope you enjoyed. Make sure to listen to that Night Demon stuff and go pick it up if you feel so inclined. Today I just saw that Jarvis put up a video on his Instagram of his new jailbreak Flying V bass. And it looks awesome. So go peep that. Follow him on Instagram. If you guys have any questions or comments for the show, please feel free to send them in. Podcast at riftsordie.com That's the place. Don't forget riftsordie.com and patreon.com slash riftsordie if you want to support the podcast financially. And if you don't have any finances but you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and family and give the show a rating on whatever app you are using to listen to it. 
And if you're listening to it directly on the Rift or Die website, well, gosh bless ya. Gosh darn it, that's just so dang neat, you know? Anyway, that's it for me today. I'll talk to you all again later on this week. Until then, take her real easy. Talk to you soon, Riffers. Bye-bye. <laughs>